This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, today we're celebrating the unofficial start of summer, OG, with you and I talking theme parks with Robert Niles. But you know what's not a theme park? An aircraft carrier, (laughs) destroyer, stand out on the front line. There's no theme park about that, man. Men and women in our military make it so you and I can just enjoy our summer in peace. How about that? That's what it's about, man. You know, even though we think it's the uh, summer fun, all that sort of stuff for Memorial Day or the week before Memorial Day for... Our service members, it's just another Monday, just another day that they work for us. So thank you. Big thanks on behalf of all the men and women here in the basement making this podcast and the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union. Big shout out to our troops. Let's go stack some Benjamins together. Who's with me? Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and are you having some ups and downs? Great, because today's the roller coaster of our annual theme park episode. Today, to walk us through the news of the various happiest places on earth, we welcome from Theme Park Insider, Robert Niles. For our TikTok Minute, we'll talk about the reality of paying for the order behind you at Starbucks. In our headlines, one blogger has written a post called, Why Investing Won't Make You Rich Anytime Soon. I'm sorry, then what exactly are we doing here? Obviously, we're going to have thoughts. And then we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to someone who wants to make sure they don't screw over their partner by kicking the bucket. After that, buckle up for my amusing trivia. And now, two guys who are more fun than a lollipop the circumference of a frisbee, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! remember those looking at the gigantic map of cedar point before we went all night the night before finding the big comb sticking that thing in the back of my pocket it weighed my pants down and then getting that big old lollipop man just mm, fun at the theme park hey everybody 
Welcome to the Theme Park, a podcast, the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul, see high average Joe money on Twitter. And guess what? I today have the honor of being joined by a gentleman who only joins me on select Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. It's Mr. OG. So, as in, I select all the Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. <laughs> Just because we checked all the boxes. Yeah. Does it mean, you know, how are you, man? Happy Monday. Oh, gosh, I'm kind of jealous that we're talking about Cedar Point. I was just talking to my cousin that lives up there. He said, oh, yeah, you know, he's talking about his summer plans, and we got this and this, and then Cedar Point a couple times. I'm like, golly, I need to get up there. I haven't been to Cedar Point in years. So that might be on the list. Man, we're going to talk about Cedar Point. I'm sure we'll talk about Six Flags today. We're going to talk about Disney. I bet we'll talk about Universal. We're talking about them all because it's our annual theme park episode. Robert Niles from Theme Park Insider, the biggest website handling theme park stuff online, joins us as he has every year. For how many years, OG? Maybe seven? Yeah, long time. Got to say, it's been a long time. Robert's been with us. This is the unofficial start of summer. I know a lot of people think that it comes this weekend, but if you're a stacker, it happens today, baby, because we've got Robert Niles here. We got a great TikTok minute. We've got a fantastic ugh, headline. I can't wait to jump into this, but first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do. A shout out to he is such a giving member of the fire community, the financial independence, retire early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now and all the work that uh, he did there, just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want them to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they have a 24 seven help for the U.S. based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to navyfederal.org. Dot org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy and Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. All right, let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us uh, from Medium, a place where even you, OG, could download a thoughtful piece about 
whatever is on your mind. And this is from a gentleman named Daniel Mesa. Daniel writes, why investing won't make you rich anytime soon and says that it wasn't meant for most of us. Investing is a good choice for three kinds of people. One, riches that want to be even richer. Two, geniuses who can make their way to the top with incredible investments. And three, young people who want to be rich in their 70s. If you're in group one or two, investing is a great option. But if you're in the third one, I have good news and bad news, he writes. In a few moments, you'll know why investing is not the best use of your money and why there's a fake promise of getting rich by doing it. What do you think about that, OG, huh? Daniel coming across with the fighting words here. You can't get rich by investing. Fake promise. Oof. All right. Let's hear it. You'll also meet new alternatives to investing. New alternatives. Wait a minute. It's not the new we had in 2000 with Web 2.0. It's not even the Web 3.0 stuff. No, 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 no. It's not even the crypto stuff. This is the new, 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 new. Like not the new, 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 because that was fake. It's the new, 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 new. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Can't wait. The bad news. Daniel writes, unless you have a giant pile of money ready to be invested, the stock market isn't going to make you rich. If you start investing in your 20s, everything goes according to plan. You'll spend 95% of your life being broke and 5% of it being rich. Let's stop there. First of all, did anybody ever promise you that investing in the stock market was going to make you rich? Uh, I don't know that I've been promised that it would make me rich. That's such a loaded term anyway. It sure makes life easier. Well, well, that's what I think. I think there's a difference between making you rich, which is what we're seeing from all of the investment bros, right? Talking about get rich quick on stocks versus what investing really does, which is just fuels a normal life. Like, I don't know that the promise is to get Scrooge McDuck wealthy, right? Where we're just bathing in dollars. I think the promise is, is that you won't end up destitute. Well, I, I, again, I don't know of a different way to do it. How else could you do it if, if you didn't invest money? Um, just the, the rising costs of everything means that you have to be ahead of that curve. He says this because investing is a terribly slow process. You'll spend most of your life waiting only to enjoy the money when you can't even run, dance, or buy a jet ski. Another lie. Because the truth is, is that investing is about balance, right? It's about getting what you want today, but making sure you've got enough to get what you want later. When we think about financial planning work with clients, most people have some sort of fiscal limitations. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of stuff that we all want to do, but there's not enough, there's not enough money for all of that to be done. So from a resource standpoint, you have to allocate those in the best order uh, that suits you. It's not right for everybody in terms of the order of events. There's things that you might look at and say, well, I wouldn't spend money the way that Joe does, or I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't invest the way that OG does, but that's what makes finance personal. You know, it's, it's trying to decide what's more important than the other thing for you and your family. And it always is a balance, I think, between living now and living in the future. His next uh, part here is, uh, says, it's called The Facts, which is, oh, gee, as you'll see, not to foreshadow too much, more assumptions than facts. To show yeah. you what it's like to get rich with investing, I'll use a simulator Uh, One you can use by clicking. And uh, in our 201 newsletter, in in our uh, show notes, we'll have a link to this uh, simulator if you want to go. But but it's it's the same one you see everywhere else. 
but because 38% of Americans don't save a single penny and 69% of less than a thousand their savings account, I'm going to use the investment calculator with an annual contribution of $2,160. He's going to have people save $2,160. Okay. I'll set that account to grow at 7.3% annually, the average growth of S&P 500 in the last 30 years adjusted with inflation. In summarizing, you see how much you can earn if you start at 25, add 2160 to your investment account every year, grows by 7.3% annually. How much you've made by the age of 70? Using the calculator, so this would be in today's dollars. This isn't how much money you really have, by the way. This is how much you're going to have in today's dollars. In 45 years, you'll have $677,678. Now, if I told you that you save just over $2,000 a year, OG, toward your retirement, do you think you'd be rich? No, of course not. But but let's say that your top line earnings, the amount of money that you make every single year is $25,000. And yet, somehow you're able to save roughly 10% of that $2,100 a year. Oh, good point. You would be rich. You with, would be with six. And that's 600,000. I mean, it's again, he's using numbers to suit him. I understand the difference between after inflation and, and before inflation numbers, but your bank account wouldn't say 600,000. Your bank account would say a million or whatever it says because, or your investment account, because you'll have a million real dollars. It won't spend like a million dollars today. So it's not exactly the same. So I see what he's doing is he's inflation adjusting it back to today's number, but that also artificially makes the number a little bit lower versus what you'd actually see in your, in your investment account. But, but if you're earning $20,000 a year, saving 2000 and I said, 10% hey, of right, your money right now, I can give you 700 K to put in your account. How do you feel? I guarantee that person's going to feel pretty rich. And at seven hundred thousand, earning twenty grand a year, you will be somewhere in the neighborhood of a lifetime sustaining income that you'll never outlive. Like that would provide enough money for you forever. Next up, he says, "What if I told you though there's a better way? The good news, there's a better strategy you can use. As you've seen before, investing is exponential. It grows very slowly in the beginning. And starts being a money making machine when you're accumulating a great amount of money. We've actually agree with them there. We've said that uh, it's the last double, right, that matters. Stock market's very greedy. Give you a lot of money only if you give it a lot of money too. He says that's why I'm going to show you different investing techniques that could make you much more money than the stock market in less time. Oh boy! Whenever you hear those words, people. I'm going to show you the quick way. This is the secret that no one else has told you. But the technique I'm going to explain has a few warnings. Number one, they require some time to research. Number two, they could be riskier than the stock market. Duh. Of course, if you're going to make money quicker, it is going to be riskier. There is no such thing as less risk, more return, no matter how much we want it. That's why you should treat them like lottery tickets. Invest a small, affordable amount of money that could transform into a huge pot if you do it right. Oh, good. Three stock market things I've been using instead. Number one, use WeFunder. It's a web page where you can find startups and invest in them. A lot of great projects and the upside potential is immense. So instead of buying a brand new jacket, I may put 200 in one of these startups. All right, let's talk about startups. First of all, we have had sponsors and, and we have a sponsor that talks about investing in startups. I'm not against 
taking some of your sandbox money, OG, and investing it in startups, but saying you shouldn't invest in the stock market and you should invest in startups. Even our sponsor said when I've met with them, they're like, no, 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 no. This isn't a do this instead. This is a do this and for the right accredited investor, right? This is an and not an or. Why you would not use the stock market and instead put money into a bunch of startups is a lottery ticket. Yeah. If you look at venture capital money, you know, what are they trying to do? They're trying to hit on one out of a hundred. If you got your 7% after inflation return, 10% before inflation return, and got that consistently versus hitting one out of every whatever number, right? So if you invest in startup companies, you have to assume that almost all of them will fail and your money will go away. So what sort of return do you need on the one that succeeds to make up for the 99 that don't? And I would challenge you to do that exercise and figure that math out. And you'll find that despite the fact that it's really cool to like put money into a startup and have it be a 25x return, that's really awesome, or 150x return, A, you have to put so much money into it to make that a meaningful dollar amount. And B, you're going to lose so much money on the other ones that you would just been better off just putting that same amount of money in the S&P and calling it a day. So frustrating. Number two, using Urbanite, U-R-B-A-N-I-T-A-E. You can invest in real estate projects with just $500 to your name in the site. By the way, all these are links. And I have a Big old feeling. These are non-advertised, non-disclosed affiliate links mm, to these projects. Invest in real estate projects, just $500 to your name. You can have an incredible edge if you're a real estate agent. I didn't know that real estate outperforms the stock market by a ton. You know why I didn't know that, OG? Because it doesn't. Because it doesn't. It doesn't. The reason people can get wealthier quicker with real estate is because they apply leverage which by the way, is the same thing people can do in the stock market. They can apply leverage. When you can use other people's money to make money, you can make money faster. However, whenever you see a real estate downturn, it always flushes out the leverage first, right? Whenever you have a stock market downturn, it flushes out the leverage, more risk, more return. Leverage In real estate is why everybody thinks real estate's more sexy than stocks. And we're not saying don't invest in real estate. We love real estate. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you, to give you a very specific example of this, when you go and buy a rental building, so so the argument is always, well, I can go get a rental building. I can put $100,000 into this $500,000 asset. And if I'm doing it correctly, following the 1% rule of how much rent should I get out of this building, I should get $5,000 a month rent. So I make $60,000, I have some expenses, maybe I make 25 grand a year, but I'm making 25 grand on 100, right? Because I only put in 100,000, but I made 25, so boom, I got 25% return. But you've got leverage on the other 400. You can do the exact same thing in stocks, but if you said to an investor, I've got a deal for you, I just called Schwab, and if you give them 100 grand, they will let you buy 500,000 worth of stock at three and a half or 4%. How much you want to get? People go, what? No, 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 no. That's margin. No, that's way too risky. It's a mortgage. What's riskier? 
It's a mortgage. What's riskier, Joe? <laughs> Let me ask you what's riskier. That one single building that you own in any town USA or the 500 biggest companies in the entire universe. What's riskier? I think about thing when people have those like anchor points, I want to take it to the extreme the other direction. So tell me the difference between buying one rental property in one city in terms of the risk between buying all 500 of the S&P companies, the biggest companies in the universe. And why wouldn't you do that? And the reason you wouldn't do that is because it's stupid. It's, it's very, very, very risky. You can get very, very wealthy by doing that correctly. You can also get very, very, very broke very quickly. Third way, by the way, to make money quicker is to buy stuff on Kickstarter and resell it. Oh. AKA get a second job, right? <laughs> get, get a second job. Beanie babies on eBay. Yeah. You basically buy stuff on Kickstarter and then you turn around and you resell it because the Kickstarter person's making it limited quantities. I have a better idea. Why don't you start a Kickstarter that kickstarts the Kickstarter? Ooh, hey. I actually have bought one thing on Kickstarter and I loved it. It was a uh, a cocktail shaker. I saw the ad on Instagram. It's a double wall insulated cocktail shaker that doesn't spill. It's like vacuum sealed at the top and it doesn't get cold when you shake it. That's fabulous. It's like, oh my God, this is perfect. It's like a Yeti for cocktails. Yes. It's perfect. It doesn't never, you know, never sweats. It never, I'm like, if this works, I'm in. And it was pretty expensive, but it's fantastic. So my idea would be to steal his idea and then put it on a different platform and then sell it. Like Indiegogo instead. Yes. Perfect. Just call it what I just, I mean, just hold it upside down. So the logo and name is upside down and then it's a whole different name. Yeah. We'll call it the Yetter. The Yetter. Uh, <laughs> cocktail shaker. No, just upside down. So it'd be like I T E Y. Oh yeah. It, 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 a perfect. Itty. It's my itty. There it is. Awesome. Yeah. Th- thank you, Daniel, who wrote this piece for, um, writing something so incredibly out there that, uh, we just spent 20 minutes talking about it. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Oh my, that, that might be a little far. <laughs> little Billy Madison. Uh uh, Daniel gave us some great discussion. I think there's a lot of lessons there. Beware charts and graphs. Uh, man, the, the solution is far worse than what was proposed in the first place. Uh, so much stuff, so little time. Hey, time for Hold our TikTok. On. I'm going to put a pin in this one. I Before you do TikTok challenges, all I think about when we do this is that Allstate commercial <laughs> with Mayhem. I'm doing the new TikTok challenge. This is going to get tens and tens of likes. Tens and tens. <laughs> so, now, uh, on the last little bit on this article here from Daniel, all of those things that he mentioned can make you financially independent and wealthy. Investing in the stock market, investing in real estate, buying stuff on Kickstarter and reselling it, buying uh, startup companies, all of them can. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It's just, I think you have to understand what are the pros and cons of each. 
And for the vast majority of people, if you want the simplest path, it's just put 10% of your money into the market every single week for the rest of your life. And yeah, it will take a while, but eventually you will have more money making more money than you make every single year. And if you want a simple path to get there quicker, save 20% instead of 10% into the same index. Yeah. You want a simple path to go even quicker? 30%, 40 Hold on. 50%. Stop, stop. Stop it. You're teasing me now. I'm going to write a piece on medium. The stock market won't make you rich 10%, but it can do it at 30%. Bam. There you go. You should write a piece, only change all of the data that he just, that, and just word for word it and just flip the, you know, instead of it won't say it will, but change say like 2,000 a year, make it say 20,000 a year. I think I'm going to do that. It'd be like, if you save 20,000 a year from, I think, I think from I'm gonna totally do 25 that. to 70, you'll only have $6 million. I think I'm going to do that. That is so good. I got to find the time, but hey. All right, TikTok challenge time. Yeah, let's do the TikTok minute. This is part of the show where we shine the light on somebody with either a TikTok or a reel that's either making a lot of sense or maybe not making much sense. And this is one, uh, I think this is a cautionary tale. OG, let's uh, listen up because this is uh, all about that line at Starbucks. Welcome to Starbucks. What can I get started for you? Hi, could I please get a grande white mocha? Of course. Please pull up to the first window. Thank you. Here's my card. The person in front of you actually paid for you. What? They paid for me? Yes, they did. That's so nice. Would you like to pay for the people behind you? We've had 32 cars in a row so far. Um, how much was their order? $32.73. Um, give me one second. Let me just check my bank account. Oh, no. Only $6.32 in my bank account? Um, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to break that streak. Have a good day. I think it is annoying when the person says, Hey, do you want to pay for the person behind you? We've had 32 cars in a row. Like, like why, why is the person at Starbucks guilting you into buying $35 worth of coffee, super expensive coffee for the person behind you? I've never had that happen to me. I, I would really like for somebody to buy my Starbucks. I can't promise that I will do it in return. Yeah. I, man, I don't know. I'd be the guy that goes, Hey, so the guy in front of you just paid. I'll be like, all right, cool. Thanks. (laughs) No, no, you're supposed to do the one behind you. I do like the story that hockey player Stu Grimson told us about all the people going out for an expensive meal and then playing credit card roulette. That sounds like fun. Like that sounds like serious fun. Especially when everybody at the table knows the stakes are high, right? Oh yeah. That, yeah, that'd be huge. And for people that miss that, We'll link back to that interview with Stu, but basically what happened, he had just joined the Detroit Red Wings and they all went out to a bunch of them went out to dinner together, super expensive dinner. The bill was in the, was well over thousands and thousands of dollars. And they all put their credit cards in the bread basket and took them out one by one until there was only one left. And that person had to pay for everybody. And Stu had been with the team one day and got to pay for everybody. And he said, the bad news is it cost him a ton of money, OG. The good news is he was everybody's friend. I mean, immediately yeah. he was on the team. He won. <laughs> yeah. Coming up next, man, you're going to win because you're here with us today. Robert Niles, the theme park insider. He is a gentleman who, whenever you see people asking what's going to happen at theme parks this year across the internet, across media, Robert Niles is one of the biggest contributors out there and one of the foremost experts on how to actually make it worth your money. If you're wondering what theme parks have to do with Stacking Benjamins, well, guess what? Stacking Benjamins, like we talked about with our headline, is much more about making sure that the money you spend is worth it. So if you, like a lot of people, are taking the family out to a theme park this week, this, this week, 
maybe this weekend, but how about this summer? If you're taking them out, well, let's make sure that you're getting your money's worth. We'll talk about saving money, but we'll also talk about where all the fun stuff actually is and uh, how to make sure that you get more enjoyment for your dollar. Because these things, OG, as you know, can be expensive. You take you take 10 bags of money to visit a mouse in Florida <laughs> or in California. At least. Robert Niles coming up uh, next. But first, Doug, I think you've got some trivia for us, huh? There's stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. If you love tired, crying children begging for overpriced funnel cakes and stuffed animals, you probably love Disney. This studio, theme park, and merchandising overlord is today worth about $100 billion. Much like Joe's mom's Beanie Babies collection was supposed to be. But it all started with the dream of a little boy born in 1901, Walter Elias Disney. Disney already owns all of your favorite brands, Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, but their origins were more humble. Today is actually the anniversary of the first talking cartoon of Mickey Mouse. So my question is, what year was it released? Was it 1929, 1939, or 1949? I'll be back with my answer after I pay 26 bucks for a beer at the concession stand. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial.
Hey there, stackers. I'm an emotional roller coaster and retired sideshow attraction, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Mickey Mouse's first talking film is called The Carnival Kid, where he plays a vendor at a carnival, and his first words are, hot dog. He later spanks a hot dog over his knee. Yeah, it gets weird. Weirder, Minnie plays a shimmy dancer, which feels like a euphemism somehow. So what year did this seven minute cartoon come out? The first in which Mickey speaks, 1929. And now to talk us through some theme park magic, Robert Niles. And here he is, the man bringing summer down the stairs with him, Robert Niles from Theme Park Insiders back. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. How are you doing? Well, I'm better knowing that you're here because it means that the good days are on the way. But let's start here. Absolutely. A year ago, you and I had a big discussion, Robert, about dodging COVID protocols, about, hey, safety Mm -hmm. first as you make your way back into theme parks. Like we were just getting back in there. Where are we at today? Are we... Are things, have we turned the corner or theme parks? um... They're crowded is where we are today. Uh, Attendance is coming back at uh, parks throughout the country and around the world. What we don't really have yet is the big international travel. But since everybody's stuck at home, everyone's going to their home country's theme parks. And uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, really strong attendance, really strong per capita spending at a lot of the parks, mm. too. I mean, I, I like to talk about all the fun stuff and a little, not so much the business stuff, but uh, theme parks right now are doing Disney especially is doing very well financially with its parks right now. It's rolled out a lot of stuff to entice people to be spending more money than ever. And they've got a lot of great new attractions happening too. So, you know, it's, it, things are really looking up in the theme park industry at this point. But does that mean that for the average stacker out there just trying to save a few dollars that that's not really mm-hmm. possible this year because with attendance strong, they don't need to offer you incentives to get your butt in the park? Well, it kind of depends on where you want to go. If your heart is set on one particular location, then yeah, obviously you're kind of stuck with whatever they're going to be charging. But if you're willing to, substitute and look around and price around. There are still some deals out there. A lot of the uh, regional chains are still being pretty aggressive with how they're pricing annual passes, which can always be a great deal if you're thinking about that uh, summer road trip where you're hitting up a lot of different parks. You know, Getting a pass that gets you into multiple parks for one low price can be a way to save a ton of money off of that. Who offers, so, yeah. who offers those? Uh, Six Flags offers that. Okay. Cedar Fair offers that. They Cedar Point, Kings Island. Legoland, they offer something like that as well. SeaWorld, obviously, they offer something. So, yeah, a lot of those chains have got uh, those types of deals available. The top line price for a Disney World vacation is still pretty eye-watering for some people. But if you're willing to stay off-site, you're willing to uh, you know, kind of be aggressive with some of your cost-cutting on that. You're not buying their new Disney Genie Plus upgrade to skip the lines because you pick the right season to go. Uh, yeah, there's still a way to make that very affordable as well. Well, you tackled two things that I want to dive into. First of all, you mentioned mm-hmm. Cedar Fair. There was a bid back in February by SeaWorld to take over Cedar Fair. I noticed today Cedar Fair is still independent. I had heard some rumors that maybe Six Flags might make a bid. Anything, is Cedar Fair going to be independent much longer? Uh, yeah, Cedar Fair is that uh, that popular kid that everybody wants to take to the prom, but just keeps telling everybody no because uh, they're happy with their thing. 
It's independent. I, th- I see it staying independent for the time being. If it ends up hooking up with someone, I think it's more likely that it would be Cedar Fair being the buyer rather than the buyee, mm-hmm. unless someone big like Merlin comes in and makes a deal. That's the only one that I really see out there that I think would be a good fit with uh, Cedar Fair. But um, I think both Six Flags and SeaWorld made a bid to try and tell investors, hey, we're strong. We've recovered. We're strong enough that we can, uh, you know, go out and buy someone now. The fact that they didn't pull it off is another thing. <laughs> but I think that in both cases, I think the primary purpose there was signaling to the markets that the companies believe that they have strength again, that they have recovered from what's happened over the past couple of years, uh, that they're going to be a player out there. They're not going to be chum. Um, so even though they didn't pull it off, and I don't think either of them really thought that they would be able to pull it off, they did get that signal out to the market. Oh, and this is not your opinion. I want to make sure everybody knows this is mine. Six Flags would have been an awful fit. I don't know about SeaWorld. Oh, that would have been terrible. Six Flags um, would have been just, mm, oh, just rotten. I, not Neither of those were a good fit. Uh, like I said, I think uh, Merlin is a better fit because I think it kind of complements what they've got in their portfolio. Merlin owns the, the Legoland theme parks. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to ask Life who that Aquarium, was because I didn't know. Um, uh, Madame Tussauds, oh. a bunch of attractions like that. They've got a ton of just kind of regular theme parks, if you will, in Europe, but not really in the United States. But the theme parks that they have in Europe, like Alton Towers and Gardaland, I mean, those are kind of the Cedar Fair of Europe. So yeah, I've been kind of shipping that deal for a little while now, but uh, I've never heard anything seriously about that happening. But a lot of people think, you know, if if Cedar Fair were ever going to end up as part of another company, that would be the one where it would be the best operational fit. Financially, you know, the markets will work that out, but operationally it could work. Well, let's get into the real reason you're here, which is to not talk about uh, mergers of a potential companies. Uh, Let's talk about the theme parks. And as we do, I think nearly every year, Mm -hmm. let's start with these two major players. You mentioned Disney. So why don't we go there first? This new Genie Plus system. It used to be that you could do this fast pass thing. I thought that was so cool. Mm -hmm. It was a competitive advantage. Now, Mr. Uh, Chapek, or as they call him on Reddit, Mr. Paycheck, has decided that we have to pay for that. Well, what are your thoughts about the Genie Plus system? Bob Chapek, he's got my same first name. Actually, he uses Bob. I use Robert. Both went to Indiana for graduate school. So, you know, he's my man. Not really, not at all. Uh, he has way, way more money than I do. Uh, and getting more by the day. Uh, there was this thing that Disneyland had called Max Pass. And what it was, was a way that you could use uh, the Disneyland app to book your Fast Pass line skipping tickets. And you also got a bunch of other stuff like uh, you know, free photos and things like that. It was wildly popular. People loved it. And it showed Disney that people would pay for the ability to make attraction reservations online. So uh, after the pandemic, when uh, Disney realized it needed to make a bunch of operational changes, it took the lesson it learned from Disneyland and said, hey, you know, we're going to rebrand this thing as Disney Genie Plus take away the free fast pass option and just kind of push everyone into this, this paid upgrade who wants to use it. Financially, it's been a wild success for them. I don't know that it's engendered a great deal of goodwill among the most vocal of its fans online, but people are buying Disney Genie Plus and Disney's reporting that it has pretty high guest satisfaction. Now, not nearly as many people are using that as use the free fast pass system, but, uh, Yes, it has kind of changed the way that parks were operating uh, since 
after their immediate reopening when everything was just, you know, one old fashioned line. When's the right season then? If I don't want to have to pay to jump the line, you talked about right season to go. I know that they have all these festivals now. They got the running things going on. They got uh, this has. Yeah, this has changed. Honestly, summer is not bad anymore. Summer used to be the high season that you wanted to avoid. And, uh, you know, for weather purposes, you might still want to avoid Orlando in the summer. It can be a little nasty. But in terms of crowds, high season at Walt Disney World is now the spring. Spring break season is by far and away. I mean, that and the week between Christmas and New Year's, obviously. But uh, the whole spring break season from February through end of April, that's high season at Walt Disney World right now. In California, it's the fall from really from Labor Day through the uh, through New Year's, their Halloween time and Christmas stuff. That's their high season. So what I would recommend to people, if you really want to go to Walt Disney World in Florida, look at September. Yes, it's hurricane season, but that's the reason why a lot of people don't go. If you get lucky with the weather, you'll be fine. This is by far the uh, lowest crowds of the year. Disneyland in California, look at the spring. So they're kind of uh, counter-cyclical to each other. But uh, those those are the seasons to look at for the Disney theme parks at this point. Four attractions I want to highlight at Disney. You give me your thoughts. First of all, there's, uh, there's a new Guardians of the Galaxy ride. And before we hit record, you told me, okay, there it is. You told me you, you got to preview this thing. Yes, it is. It is a lot of fun. If you're all familiar with the the Disney theme parks, you've probably gone on Space Mountain at some point. This is the next generation of Space Mountain. It's basically kind of a spinning roller coaster. I'm, you know, it's not like a free spin roller coaster, but it does kind of rotate. So instead of going through turns, you're sort of drifting through the turns if you're you know familiar with that on cars so it's just that a very different sensation and there's a just a ton of media and it's the guardians of the galaxy from marvel it's the first marvel themed attraction at the walt disney world resort even though they can't use the word marvel because of that contract with universal yada 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 but anyway so it's the guardians of the galaxy so it's just all that kind of sassy banter that you're hearing from the characters there's this big bad they're going after there's a battle in space you're caught up in the middle of it you're just drifting through all these turns in this indoor space theme roller coaster and they're playing some guardians of the galaxy favorite tune in there like disco inferno or uh Blondie or or Tears <laughs> for Fears awesome. or something your like mix that. Your mixtape. You got your uh, mixtape. And it's, it's, it's a mixtape. But there's six different songs and it's a different song kind of each time you ride. So you've got to, you know, ride it again and again to get all six songs. That's that's kind of the hook with the thing. Now, granted, the, this officially opens on May 27th, I believe. It's in previews right now for annual pass holders. So I think the lines on this are going to be insane, at least for the first summer. But eventually, when you get the opportunity to ride it more than once in a day, uh, yeah, you can collect all this songs disco inferno is my favorite (laughs) well let's go let's go almost all the way directly across the park to a ride that opened just uh, several months ago uh the the ratatouille ride also had long lines what do you think about that ride that came to epcot from uh disney's walt disney studios park in paris that's the second gate for the disneyland paris resort and this was like the first big attraction that park because that's like the least attended of all disney parks worldwide Mm. but ratatouille was like their first big real big hit that people absolutely loved and it's this trackless dark ride you're on these you know things called ratmobiles but they're disney you know cartoon type not you know nasty sewer type Uh, (laughs) everything's fun and pink and wonderful just Um, like it is but you're just kind of like 
Yeah, right. Absolutely. The Disney sewer. Yes. Everybody's happy here and we make fine French cuisine. But yeah, I mean, people love that. I mean, that's one of the, that might be the most beloved Pixar film. People, you know, absolutely adore it. And basically you are just kind of running around with Remy uh, through the kitchens of Paris, trying to make your, your little vegetable stew. And, you know, the mean, nasty chefs are coming after you with uh, cleavers and things, but it's a mix of practical effects in 3D screens and this wonderful kind of trackless dark ride experience. So you don't really know where you're going to be spinning and driving to next. So it's kind of chaotic and fun. But uh, yeah, that's something definitely new for the Walt Disney World Resort. And it's been very popular since it opened. I was there recently and they have this wonderful lagoon for people that haven't been to Epcot. And uh, they have filled it, Robert, full of junk for this evening spectacular i saw the evening spectacular i thought it looked pretty cool but during the day man this was a holy cow that's a bunch of junk in the lagoon this is where i'm gonna pull my you know west coast superiority card for a moment uh because I'm, you know, I'm an la guy I've, i'm la you know born still live out here disneyland is my home park uh, we've got this thing called World of Color at oh. the Disney California Adventure, and it's out there in the lagoon there. And it's all fountains and water screens and stuff. So during the day, yeah, you can kind of see the little nozzles and stuff. But for the most part, it's just, you know, you've got that nice lagoon in the middle of the park. Epcot, they've got these huge screens that they use for their thing, uh, these huge just light implements that, yeah, they said they were going to hide with fountains during the day, but I don't think if they had Niagara Falls out there in you the middle hide of that uh, stuff. The, the World Showcase Lagoon, you could, you could hide that stuff. So, yeah, it kind of uh, breaks up some of the sight lines around World Showcase during the day. But uh, like you said, at, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, a, it's a nice show with a bunch of Disney tunes in it. And, uh, you know, people like it. But if you want the good show, World of Color. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's back at the Disneyland Resort now. They have resumed their nighttime spectaculars. Fantasmic is coming back in a couple of weeks now. Uh, Main Street Electrical Parade is back for its 50th anniversary wow. at Disneyland. So, you know, lots of fun uh, live entertainment happening on the West Coast. We spent so much time on Disney, but I know there's been just an amazing amount of stuff going on at Universal. Like, I feel like during yeah. the time of COVID, Universal probably caught up to Disney more than they have, I don't know, at any time that I remember. Yeah, Universal did not stop doing anything. They kept debuting stuff all throughout it, whether it was the uh, Jason Bourne stunt show at Universal Studios Florida, which is a technological marvel. The way that they have blended live action stunt performers with media is because you're just like, okay, is that on a screen? Is that a real person? It's it's amazing the way that they've done that Bourne stuntacular at Universal Studios Florida. But then they dropped... Uh, you know, Jurassic World Velocicoaster over at Islands of Adventure at Universal Orlando, which, you know, immediately went to the top of lots of people's uh, roller coaster list worldwide, like number one. It was absolutely amazing. So, you know, Universal has been bringing it in Hollywood. They're getting ready to open up Super Nintendo World. That's going to drop probably early next year. Uh, that's going to be real life Mario Kart ride. I mean, that's my gosh, crazy. A video game fan doesn't want to go do that. Sounds like such a blast. And now they've got, uh, they're, they're putting out all electrical vehicles on their um, studio tour. They only have a few of the, the trams all electric right now, but they're in the process of doing that transition. And it's kind of amazing. You think, oh, all right, yeah, that's a nice thing, you know, electric instead of diesel. But the tram is quiet now. You don't smell the diesel fuel. You go through like the Jaws attraction, the earthquake attraction, everything, and you're just hearing sound design 
that in, in a way you couldn't really fully appreciate before because you had the diesel engines going. So it's just a, a lot of fun, interesting stuff happening at Universal right now, too. That's super. Let's go around the country. If I'm on the East Coast, what's my uh, what's my big attraction on the East Coast when we talk about the regional players, Robert? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot happening this summer at regional theme parks around the country as well. For a lot of people, it's just going to be catching up on stuff that opened up during the, the pandemic. Yeah, so it's yeah. just the Candemonium coaster over at Hershey Park that debuted. You know, a lot of people probably haven't gotten to yet. I think one of the ones that a lot of our readers are talking about is uh, Pantheon at uh, Busch Gardens Williamsburg. You mm. know, the SeaWorld parks, they delayed all of these big new roller coasters that they were going to be opening around the country. But now we're finally getting them this summer. You've got Pantheon over at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. And the really big one that they did was Iron Gwazi at uh, Busch Gardens Tampa. This is a big record-setting uh, kind of hybrid roller coaster where they took an old wooden roller coaster called Gwazi. And uh, they brought in Rocky Mountain Construction to do this big new steel track on it. And it's you know one of the tallest and fastest of this type of coasters in the world. And a lot of people are saying... This is right up there with Velocicoaster as probably not just one of the best roller coasters in Central Florida, but really around the world. I rode that. And by ride it, I mean, I did the virtual thing <laughs> on that. And uh -huh. oh, oh, my goodness, is that thing fast? I just can't imagine the yeah. pull on my body uh, riding that coaster. Yeah. All those Rocky Mountain construction roller coasters from the first one that they did at Six Flags Over Texas about a decade ago, it feels like. To the ones they've got, you know, they've got parks all over the country, Six Flags Magic Mountain, they've got them at Dollywood, they've got them up at Cedar Point. Uh, Steel Vengeance was the one that everybody had talked Fabulous. Uh, uh, as, as number one before we got Velocicoaster and uh, Iron Gwazi, which are now in the mix. But these are all, it's just grease lightly, man. I mean, yeah, it just is absolutely amazing the way you're just sliding across those tracks. So much airtime as well. It is, they are just pure thrill machines and people absolutely adore them. Let's talk about the Midwest since you mentioned Cedar Point. I mean, we've got quite a few Midwest theme parks. Anything exciting in any of these places? Uh, well, I mean, Cedar Point had its 150th anniversary last year, which uh, unfortunately a few people missed. So they're still bringing back that parade that they did this year, which uh, last year. And they've got, uh, you know, a new boat ride through the heart of the park there. Uh, a lot of people are looking to see when the next big roller coaster will be coming there. There's been a lot of kind of controversy about that big top thrill dragster, which uh, closed last season after an accident and uh, is remained closed. And a lot of people are like, are they going to replace that? I think they probably will, but we haven't gotten an announcement at that point. But, uh, you know, Holiday World dropped, a, you know, they're kind of promoting themselves. They've got great, great roller coasters there. Uh, they just did uh, uh, a little bit of a retrack on one of them called The Legend, but they're uh, promoting themselves as the water coaster capital of the world. Wow. Now they opened one called Cheetah Chase during the pandemic that people might have missed. And uh, those are just fun, fun attractions there. But uh, speaking of retracked roller coasters, uh, Kings Island just did a retract project on the Beast there. Which I is saw that. iconic wooden roller coaster, longest wooden roller coaster in the world. A lot of people, I haven't been able to get on that yet, but a lot of people are really looking forward to that because it's their 50th anniversary at, at Kings Island this year too. So they've got a lot of kind of entertainment stuff going along uh, with the retrack. And, and then they just had that big Bulger and Mabyard coaster, or Orion, that they had opened up uh, uh, while a lot of people were not doing traveling. I can't so wait to see what your readers... Something new to experience Well, there. I can't wait to see what your readers say about the Beast because that's from my childhood. Yeah. But I remember the last time Absolutely. I rode that I thing remember. was yeah. five or six years ago and it shook my teeth. I mean, this thing was just... Yeah. That, it was so janky. It, it, it I, needed that. 
that was such an iconic coaster. Again, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I went to high school up the road in Indianapolis. And uh, so, you know, Kings Island was where you went for the big coasters at that point. And the Beast, that was the king of them all. And people absolutely adored it. And I, again, like you, I'd gone on it a few years ago with the memory of what it was like when I was a kid. And I was just like, ooh, wow, this does not live up to my memory anymore. Uh, granted, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, advancement in the roller coasters since then. But yeah, it it needed a retrack in places. And they delivered it. And I think a lot of people were looking forward to see if, if that, because um, it's Sister Park, um, Knott's Berry Farm out here in California. There's a big wooden roller coaster here called Ghost Rider. And it had gotten in kind of the same situation. It was a teeth rattler. And they went in and they did some retracking on that a few years ago. And it just became the wonderful, wonderful experience that it was when it first opened again. And people just fell back in love with it. And I'm hoping that that's what happens with the Beast as well. Well, it is, it is funny. You know, I love Disneyland. I know it's your home park, but I feel like Knott's Berry Farm is just this hidden gem that a lot of people just completely overlook. I was talking about kind of substitution earlier before, if you're looking for a deal. And for a lot of people in Southern California, they have discovered or rediscovered Knott's Berry Farm as just like, okay, I don't want to pay the money for Disneyland. I don't want to deal with the reservation requirement. And this is something that I just like to remind anyone that I talk to. Uh, the Disney theme parks are still requiring reservations to go. So even if you've got a ticket, you still need to get a reservation to use the ticket on a specific date. They're the only big theme parks that are still doing that. looks like they're going to continue to do that. Every time I go to one of those theme parks, there's someone who gets caught out by that. Mm -hmm. But for people who don't want to mess around with that, they just want to go whenever they want to go. And they want to go for a pretty cheap price. You know, Knott's Berry Farm has become a favorite for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Southern Californians because you've got a lot of that immersive theming and they're bringing back their Ghost Town Alive experience this this summer, which, you know, we've been missing for the past couple of summers. That's that kind of, you know, almost Ren fair type of experience where you can play along characters in the old West town that they've got there. And just, you know, wonderful att classic attractions like the Timber Mountain Log Ride, which is what Disney ripped off for Splash Mountain. Right. You've got uh, the, the mine ride there. You've got that uh, new hang time coaster that uh, they debuted a couple of years ago. Just wonderful experience. And then the live entertainment as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are um, looking at Knott's Berry Farms as one of those experiences that you can get for a really great value. You know, if you feel like maybe you're priced out or not willing to pay the money that, say, a Disney or Universal is charging. Still a fantastic day. And it, what's sad is I'm looking at the I'm looking at the clock and I feel like our time together just flies, my friend, because oh, no. we could probably talk for another six hours about all the about all the, the I love talking about this stuff. It's so much fun. I, well, you're in the right business, obviously. And it's clear yeah. because whenever I go to Theme Park Insider and I'm looking for tips, you always have great tips there. You've got readers helping each other. Tell everybody that doesn't know anything about Theme Park Insider just a little bit about the magic you've got going on over there, Robert. Yeah, we are covering theme parks worldwide, uh, not just in the United States, all throughout Europe and Asia and Middle East. We've got, uh, you know, if you click on uh, Plan a Trip or, you know, our, our park guides, we've got guides to dozens of theme parks around the world. You've got attraction listings, you've got on-ride videos so you can see things, and we've got links to discount tickets as well. So if you're looking to get that kind of deal there, uh, lots of links to discount tickets and also, you know, occasionally hotel packages that are available with that as well. And then throughout the site, you know, every day we've got news coming in there. You can sign up for our email newsletter. We'll just deliver it to you. That's uh, not just, you know, what's new in the industry, what's happening on the business side of the industry. But like you said, a lot of tips on how to plan your next vacation as well. 
Well, thanks for helping us issue in summer again. It wouldn't be summer without Robert Niles here in the basement. We got to get going, man. We need a good summer this year. I hope so. I'm with you, my friend. Well, thank you so much for helping us have a happy Memorial Day. I don't know if happy Memorial Day weekend, but have a great Memorial Day weekend this coming week. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. It is always a pleasure to be here. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. Hey, this is Andy Hill from the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. And when I'm not singing Disney karaoke songs with my kids at home, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Robert Niles. I'm with you, OG. Want to go back to Cedar Point. Maybe we got to plan a stacking Benjamin. Wouldn't that be fun to have like a stacker outing, meet a bunch of people at, at Cedar Point, people do whatever they want to do during the day. Maybe we get together and just have uh, dinner together or something while we're, Ooh. while we're at a theme park. Might be a fun idea. We could even probably do that in your backyard at uh, Six Flags. Yeah, where? At Six Flags. There's a Six oh, Flags. Oh, Six Flags. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said dead. And I'm like, who the fuck is Flags? Flags. I don't know who Flags either. <laughs> so, so that's got a tawdry bar that's down the street from my house. I'd never heard that's of it. Let's awesome. all get together. Oh, there's a great game in the back room you can play, which is. More than a little sketchy. Yeah, no, no, no. Not that type of a theme park. Well, maybe one a little bit more legit. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Oh, Memorial Day weekend is also my daughter's birthday weekend. So we are oh. looking forward to Caroline turning six. Double threat. She is six going on like 14. Yes. Girls yep. got, some, agree. got some personality. It's your loved ones and your time. I think spending time with people like Caroline is a fantastic use of your time, especially on her big birthday weekend. But you know what's not a great use of your time? Tons and tons and tons of life insurance apps. Remember how long these things used to be and sometimes still are 10, 15 pages long? Well, their application at Haven Life, it's simple, it's online, you get an instant coverage decision, prices are affordable, and all their policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual. You know, it's a great way to roll into summer with your life insurance in place the way that you know it should be. Stackybedjamins.com slash Haven Life for more. And today we're throwing out the lifeline to, well, it says Anonymous here. Let's roll, Anonymous. Hi, Joe and OG. I am trying to learn about the qualified pre-retirement survivor annuities. We're adjusting the beneficiaries on my work retirement account. And so this form came up and this is the first I'm hearing of it. And I'm having trouble finding information about what the alternatives are if we choose not to do the QPSA, as well as like what just what this actually means. It looks like it's an annuity. And I don't know if it means they take my retirement account and buy an annuity for my spouse with it. And it's not clear what the alternatives are if we do not do it. So what are the options for my spouse to get my, you know, retirement funds if we don't do this? So does he have to wait till he's 59 and a half? Would they get it right away? We do have life insurance, so I'm not concerned that he wouldn't have money if I died. And so I essentially want to make sure that I'm not going to like screw him over if we waive this. So any explanation you can give would be very helpful. Thank you. Wow. There's a question, OG, that you won't get every day. First of all, what is a qualified retirement annuity? The heck is a QPSA? 
It is a, uh, basically, it's the option to turn your retirement plan into a death benefit. Well, I guess it's the death benefit of your retirement plan turned into a monthly income stream. So instead of getting your retirement plan, and most of the time, this is a cash balance pension type plan or something similar, not like a 401k. It's the option of turning that instead of giving a lump sum to that person into a stream of income. But because normally the plan is based on the employee, what makes this different is that it's on the survivor. And then the other thing that has to happen is this happens prior to uh, retirement. So if your spouse passes away prior to retirement and you have one of these plans, you have the option to indicate that you're that you would want your spouse to get a stream of income rather than the lump sum, you know, of an IRA. There's some pros and cons to it, for sure. The ERISA rules will dictate how the uh, payments are calculated, you know, what the life expectancy is and that sort of thing. Not every plan has this option. There's limited plans that provide this benefit, but not a huge fan. And I didn't sound, it doesn't sound like she was a huge fan either. no. No. Like she was kind of like, eh. And why aren't you a huge fan? Just because of the complexity? Better to keep it simple? Well, yes, that's one of us. The second one is, you know, when you add another layer of decision making in there, i.e., the insurance company, the insurance company is now the people who are going to decide how you get your payout instead of you. And so they don't want to ever be sued. So they're going to say, we're going to make sure that you get this payout forever. But we're not in business to lose money. So we also need to make money. So we have to add our little kicker on top of it so that we can almost be sure that in aggregate between you and all the other people that do this, that we're going to be profitable. So they have to offset the risk of you living to a hundred with somebody else who gets hit by a bus at 61, you know, and they keep all the money. So the problem with an annuity is if you get hit by the bus on the way to get your first check, you don't get any more money. It's over. The benefit of the annuity is that if you live to be 110, you're taking the, you're, you're raking the insurance company over the coals every month. You get that check. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. I win. Now, but a lot of annuities have options where even your survivor has a survivor benefit, right? Or there's a, a certain number well, of. But the, remember, this is already the survivor. Oh yeah. This isn't the employee. This is the this is the spouse of the employee already. So the employee's already died. This is the spouse getting the benefit. You know, there might be some options to add, you know, some something beyond that. But because of the fact that it needs to be guaranteed, you're going to get a low rate of return. It's going to be calculated over an extended period of time because they don't want you to run out, you know, and they don't want to run out of your money. They would rather you get less than use the insurance money for you. So I'm a much bigger fan of investing the money, creating a distribution plan that makes more sense based on the the amount of money that you have. And if you look at it and say, well, I couldn't live. If my spouse passed away, we would not make it on this stream of income. The the pile of money that we've accumulated in this retirement plan would not be able to pay the bills. Well, that's a risk management discussion. That's an insurance discussion. You need to have more insurance then because the the whole purpose of it is of, of your kind of risk management estate planning conversations are let's game plan this out. Let You know, who's getting checks and when do they get them and how much is it? And is it enough to pay the bills and keep the lights on? And if it's not, then you have to adjust it now. The time to figure that out isn't you know, like when the checks start rolling in. So um, for those reasons, I'm not a big fan. 
but maybe in some limited circumstances it could make sense. But um, to me, this smells a lot like the insurance companies figured out a way to get to sneak into another area of retirement planning. Oh, you know, the, those those meek old spouses, they can't be trusted to calculate their own income streams from their own portfolio. Let us handle it. The the big helpful insurance company will take don't mind your little heads about this. We'll we'll take it. Well, there still is an upside which is freedom from worry, right? The the, the worry's gone if you do this. The downside well, maybe not though. That's the problem. What if the amount is, you know, you you need 5,000 a month to live and instead, you know, you you select this option because you don't select it at death, you select it now. So you select this option and you, you know, the untimely death of your spouse and the check you get is 3,000. You're 100% not worried about that? <laughs> like that's, you know, I'm not saying you can make five out of an account that's only paying you three, but I'm saying like you have no other choices now. You can't say, well, I'll take a little bit more now and go improve my skills to try to get a job to fund the gap or give me some time to, you know, downsize my life to fit this budget or whatever. It's like, boom, your check's three grand. You're in the whole 2000 bucks day one. I don't know that that's freedom from worry. Well, you know exactly how screwed you are every month. Exactly. I'm not worried about getting screwed because I'm screwed every month exactly the same. I, I know exactly the amount and I know I'm going to always be screwed by the same amount. You know, we've heard a lot lately about people talking about intergenerational wealth, and this is pretty exciting. The one thing this does too, OG, it takes the opportunity for intergenerational wealth off the table, right? I mean, it's gone. You, you, you cannot. The insurance company keeps the rest of the money. Yeah. Yep. If you or your survivor don't spend it, it is gone. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for that question, Anonymous. Hopefully you left us uh, someplace your information so we can send you out some cool Stacking Benjamin swag, because we know that while you might not want uh, us to say your name on this podcast, you certainly want to walk around town in some sweet SB swag. I know you do. Yeah. Who doesn't? And if you, by the way, would like to also ask a question of OG and I, head to stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail. Operators are standing by. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a little more automated than that, but that sounds good. Operators standing by. Uh, speaking of standing by, know what we're standing by with? We are standing by with some rewards. If you're somebody that loves our 201 newsletter and you want to brag about it with your friends and maybe help them become stackers as well, our 201 newsletter has a reward system, OG. A couple things people get. I'm going to be spending some time once a quarter with people that have shared the gift of the 201 I actually have that now on my calendar. Brooke and I talked about this quarter's meetup. So I hope some people can make it there. Maybe I'll show them a big long slideshow of my trip to Jordan and Egypt. That's what we can do with that, uh, with that time. It'll be fantastic. But also some sweet, talk about sweet Stacky Benjamin swag, a bonus podcast episode that you and I are putting together currently that's going to be available starting at uh, near the end of July. We'll have that available. And for everybody who's already passed that mark, that's coming at the end of July. Once I get done with this book tour and then so much, so much more for more on our reward program, stackybenjamins.com slash 201. And we get so many people that tell us they love what we've done with the newsletter and it's all Brooke Miller. OG, it's all Brooke Miller doing a great job over there. All right, that's going to do it, except for one more thing. If you're not here for Surround Sound or 201s or newsletters or 
theme park tips. You're here because you need to do better with your money. You need to think bigger about your goals. OG and his team are taking clients. And if you'd like to see how to interface with them, head to stackybenjamins.com slash OG. That is the route that gets you to their calendar and a first meeting where you can chat with them about exactly what you're trying to do and they can show you how you could do it better. Stackybenjamins.com slash OG. All right. I think that's it. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Sure thing, Joe. I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today. First, take a lesson from Robert Niles. It isn't about what you pay at a theme park. The question is, is it worth paying for? Start with your dream vacation plan and then work your budget in backwards. Second, when it comes to paying for the order behind you at Starbucks, maybe, and then again, maybe not. If it's a school bus in your rear view, we vote for the maybe not. But the big lesson... Never underestimate your humble beginnings. Disney could have never imagined that his characters were going to go from spanking hot dogs to spanking Darth Vader. You know, in like a non-weird kind of way. Thanks to Robert Niles for being with us. Learn more about getting the most out of theme parks at themeparkinsider.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022 and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at The Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show.
I will keep the discussion because I know I get crap about it all the time about my uh, most recent trip. Uh, I'm going to keep it short. I'll say two things. The first one's a little serious. The second one was something really great that happened. And they kind of good to juxtapose against each other. We went to Jordan. Jordan was amazing. Amon Jordan. Uh, loved the city. Uh, went downtown a few times. I just got this real... I don't know, a really, really nice vibe from a city I knew absolutely nothing about. Of course, going to Petra was incredible. Um, our guide, as we're coming around the last corner, you're in this deep cavern as you're going deeper and deeper in the place where the Nabataeans built Petra and this whole uh, city of Petra. And just before you get to the iconic building called the Treasury, which by the way, for people who don't know what the treasury is, it has been carved out of the cliff. And so you can't screw it up, OG. Like you've got one shot. If you make a mistake, it's over. In fact, what's funny was our guide even told us on some buildings, they had trouble translating the buildings because the people that did the carving were great at carving, but not great at spelling. And so they had a heck of a time translating some of what they were trying to say because of the spelling mistakes that are carved into the the side. But this iconic building called the Treasury doesn't have any mistakes. It is one of the all-time treasures on earth. And as we're getting ready to go around the last corner, our, uh, our guide puts, and we all have headphones on, puts this theme and I immediately got goosebumps. And then you go around that last corner and holy crap, it's there. And uh, yeah, standing in this place and I just, I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. We went to Egypt and, and in Jordan, you know, the vendors, you know, you've got this deal that we don't have a lot in the United States where you're bartering for everything, you know, to some degree that's, Okay. That's all right. It makes me tired, but I can do it. It's, it's fine. You just got to be willing to walk away. And there was a piece that I, that, uh, Cheryl wanted really badly. And, and I just kept saying, no, no, I'm going back to the hotel to take a nap. No. And the dude, the, the dude kept lowering the price and lowering the price and lowering the price. And I'm like, why do I got to play this game for something that I truly want? And he wants to sell to me. I don't, I don't know. It's just the way stuff works. But we were told that when we got to Egypt, that it was going to get worse. And my brother-in-law gave me uh, an article that he had read that said that the most overrated tourist attraction on earth is the pyramids. And not because the pyramids aren't awesome. They are awesome, but it's because the vendors are such are just absolutely complete. You want to go to the pyramids. You want to see all the antiquity stuff that's in Egypt. It was amazing. It was phenomenal. And he was exactly right. I have never been around worse people than these, these vendors. And I had to scowl at these people. And sometimes it got a little nasty. In fact, uh, our friend Christy was being chased and her husband and I had to chase this dude down and, and stop him from just being all over this poor woman who's practically crying. It was, it was bad. But on the other side, when we actually went into town, it was completely different. It was, Egypt was completely, completely different. Cairo was great. Egyptians were fantastic. Like they were such nice people. We're at the bazaar. And of course, you know, you're bartering there. So we're in this narrow, it feels like a hallway, but it's like three stories tall but it's about the width of a hallway, but it's open air, right? 
And so we're, we're going through these little narrow streets and Malcolm's wife goes into a shop and Cheryl hears the dude across the street, like, you know, right in front of us on the other side go, she came into his shop, come into my shop. You should come into my shop. You guys should come shop in my shop. And I walk over to the guy and I just go, no, I'm trying to get them to go into no shops. <laughs> you, you don't understand. I'm, I'm through with the shops. And the dude laughs. He goes, he goes, oh, the queen controls the shopping and the king controls the purse strings. I said, no, 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 no. You got that wrong. Queen controls the shopping and queen controls the purse strings. She's like, oh man, I get it. He goes, he goes, I get it. (laughs) And Cheryl laughed and we sat down on this stoop and there were a couple of stray cats and like four or five of the guy, the shop owners, because the shop's really close together. And these guys are just chatting with each other in Arabic, but it was just, you felt like just a regular street scene. Well, Malcolm's wife comes out of the shop and this guy immediately picks up again and goes, Oh, you went in my friend's shop. Now you have to come in my shop. You have to come in my shop. And as I'm standing up, I go stand next to him. I'm like, Deirdre, this is the best shop ever. You got to come into this guy's shop. It's the best shop ever. And the guy turns and looks at me with a complete straight face and goes, no, my friend, this is not the best shop ever. And I said, I said, really don't undersell yourself. He goes, no, I'm being very serious. I sell the same crap. Everybody else does. And we both, we both started laughing. It was so damn funny. If there were more honesty in sales like that, I immediately then wanted to buy something from the dude. You're like, I'll, how much can I spend? Yes. yes. Can I spend all my money at your shop? Here's your tip. Yeah. But, uh, Egypt, you were wonderful, except those vendors around antiquity. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.